What are you supposed to do when you have the opportunity to meet one of your heroes? Usually it's a situation where there's not a lot of time and you don't know what to say without coming off as a weirdo. I have had several of these opportunities. I've documented a lot of them on this podcast. And in a few situations, I blew it. I regret not telling the person what an impact they've had on my life. And in other situations, it's gone great. And I ended up interviewing them on this podcast. And I've always been obsessed with this idea of how having a hero can influence your life. I think in general, we overlook the importance of what a singular moment means in our lives, those little small things that we often overlook. And I think if you have a hero, it could be family or friends, but even someone you don't know, someone who has a career or a passion or an expertise that you admire. In a singular moment, when you witness their success, their greatness, if you allow them to influence you in the best way possible, it can change the direction of your life and career. I think this is more common than we think. I know how my heroes have impacted my life, and I know it's no different for my friend, Joe Leo. I honestly don't even know how I met Joe. I know I've guessed it on his sports podcast called The Grind Hours several times, and Joe's a bit younger than me. Well, maybe he's a more than a bit younger, because I just turned 39 this past Monday, and Joe's 24 and a grad student at Iona. But he's an old soul, and he's got this amazing passion for sports. And we ended up developing this friendship, even outside podcasts. And sometimes we would just talk on the phone for hours and dive into the beauty of sports. And we did this for years. And it was during one of those conversations where I asked Joe about his sports heroes growing up, and he told me about his original basketball hero, all-star Vince Carter. Now, this was a bit unusual to me because of Joe's age, being younger. I just didn't think Vince Carter would be his favorite player. But he went on to tell me more about Vince, why he was so important to him, and what led up to an opportunity where Joe could potentially meet him. And I was hooked. And I just needed to know how Joe handled this opportunity, his singular moment, to interact with his hero, Vince Carter. But first, we had to start at the beginning the first time he saw Vince play basketball. So I was in fourth or fifth grade. The Nets just got off of that run where they went two consecutive finals. And it was kind of the end of the Nets' big three with Jason Kidd, Vince Carter, and Richard Jefferson. And the only reason why I even you know, remotely know about basketball is because of Vince Carter, because... They play on the Yes Network, which is uh, the Yankees station here in New York and now around the country. And seeing Vince Carter, it was, it was kind of like if you went to a Globetrotter game for the first time that you've ever seen a basketball game and go, what the hell is this? Like, this is a whole new world. It, to me, Vince Carter was LeBron. He was Michael Jordan. He was the guy. He was the coolest guy in the world when it came to basketball. I actually got to see him play like a year like within the year that I actually found basketball because my dad had work tickets. He works for Ford Motor Company and they had tickets behind one of the baskets where the Nets come out, where the Nets locker room is. It was directly behind the basket, like three or four, four rows from the basket. And they were all running out in the court and I got to, you know, slap Vince Carter's hand for all of two seconds as he went out for warmups. That had to be so awesome to get a high five from Vince Carter at the Nets game. But even as a kid, something else started to become crystal clear. Joe wanted his life to revolve around professional sports, but not as a player. And when we were talking, he was eager to share a quote from Moneyball with me. 
the one that says everyone's told at a certain age that they can't play the children's game anymore. We just don't know when it's going to be. Well, Joe knew he couldn't compete as an athlete by the time he was 15, but he started a dream about becoming a sports journalist, and that led him to apply for an internship with the Brooklyn Nets. And he got it. And then towards the end of his tenure at that internship, he's looking at the basketball schedule, and he noticed that someone familiar was coming into town. It was the second to last game that they were playing the Atlanta Hawks. Vince Carter's now with the Atlanta Hawks. He is in his second to last season in the NBA. He's, I think, pushing, if he's not 40, he's pushing 40, and he's at the very tail end. Uh, he he doesn't get any minutes. He is like the, the second to last guy on the bench. He is not getting, and if he does, it's a blowout. So part of me is like, man, I, w- I really wish either the Nets or the Hawks blow the other team out of the water so I can actually see Vince play. This is before the game. So I'm out there, and Vince Carter's out there. He's doing a combination of shooting from way, way deep in the three-point line and doing dunks. He's not doing really anything special, but he's still getting up for a 40-year-old. I hope that I have you know 10% of the hops that he has when he's 40, or when I'm 40, that he had. And a ball gets loose and goes away, and I pick it up, and I chuck it to Vince. And I don't think anything of it, because there's like four other guys on the court with Vince Carter warming up before the game. So as I release it, I see that it's going towards Vince. Part There's one, one thing in my head goes, I really hope it gets there. I, I, I don't want to like skip this, and it just go like it goes at his feet and rolls all the way to the other side of the court. I was like, please just get that. I, I, I was like, I really hope I threw this for, far enough. And it did. He caught it, gives it to his shooting coach, gives it back to him, and he goes on shooting. But just to have that again, it's one of those moments where you're like, really pinch me because this can't ha- be happening again. Like, I was the ball boy for two seconds for Vince Carter. It's... One of those moments where you can't believe that it's actually real life, that it's actually happening in front of you, that you get to see your hero for that sport play, and you that up and close and personal. Like, I, it's just, it's almost beyond words at, at some points. I kept picturing myself in Joe's shoes, just standing on that court, your heroes just a few feet away, you're holding the basketball and you're about to pass it to him, do you say anything? Do you walk the ball to him? I'm not going to lie. Instead of just accepting Joe's story, I kept looking back and wondering if he was disappointed that he didn't say anything more. Like, does he wish he could go back in time and do it differently? There is a part of me that does wish, but it wouldn't be that moment because there's so much that I would want to tell him that just in a two-second as I'm throwing you the ball, I can't say, you know, thank you so much for getting me into this sport. Thank you for, you know, letting me have a deep connection with the game of basketball with my family. Now, I know this is going to sound strange. And this is Joe's first time hearing this, but I was hoping for a different answer. I was actually hoping for a very regretful answer where he wished he could go back in time and redo that moment again because he never got to say what he really wanted to say and show his appreciation to Vince Carter. And then Vince would listen to this episode and be inspired to talk to Joe. And it would be this amazing story moment. Maybe that's a storyteller in me. 
but that's my story and the story that I want. That's not Joe's story. And in fact, hearing his answer was a lesson for me. Even though I'm a bit older than him, a bit, I think that his take shows more wisdom than mine. I looked at that moment and I searched for regret that maybe his momentary encounter with his hero could have been better, could have been different. But see, Joe looked at it and saw it for what it was, just a few seconds in front of his hero. And in those few seconds, he knew he didn't have enough time to actually say how much of an impact that Vince made on his life. So he just stood in that moment, accepted it for what it was, and that was good enough. Towards the end of our phone call, I kept pushing and pushing and asking, is there anything else you'd want to tell Vince Carter just in case he hears this episode? And Joe earnestly was like, yeah, just let him know that the invitation to be on my podcast, The Grind Hours, is always open, and I'd be eternally grateful if he joined me. And I said, honestly, if he was a guest on your podcast, what would you say? And Joe responded, we'd just talk basketball. Seven Minute Stories is created and performed by Aaron Calafato. Audio production by Ken Went. You can connect with Ken or inquire about his audio production services at kenwent.com. That's Ken, W-E-N-D-T dot com. Original artwork by Pete Whitehead. Find out more about Pete's work at PeteWhitehead.com. Special thanks to our partners at Evergreen Podcasts. And lastly, I'm Corey Burse. Make sure to tune in next week for another story. Hey, it's Aaron. I wanted to give a shout out to Fishbowl. They've been a great presenting sponsor for season two of 7-Minute Stories. If you didn't know, Fishbowl is a rapidly growing community platform of over 2 million professionals. I am one of them. They're most commonly described as Reddit meets LinkedIn, and Fishbowl is really becoming the digital water cooler for professionals to talk and post on an assortment of workplace topics like remote work life, interviewing, dealing with bad managers, how to ask for promotions, company politics, the list goes on, stuff that we all deal with. So I'd love if you join me there to do that. Go to joinfishbowl.com slash 7MS. That's joinfishbowl.com the number seven, MS.